This episode of Nerd Cognito is brought to you by, well, you. We cannot thank you enough for your generosity. It helps us pay the bills. Look, we're not here to get rich. We're here just to talk about the hobby that we love and the things that we like, and hopefully the things that you like, too. So we sincerely appreciate every time you Venmo us five bucks for a milkshake or whenever you use our Amazon link to click through and do some shopping. We get a small cut, and that helps contribute towards the bills. It is truly, truly appreciated. So if you haven't yet... Go to nerdcognito.com and check out the Support the Show page to see all of the ways that you can support the show, both monetarily and, as in the case with the Amazon link, through no additional cost to you. Hey, you're going to do the shopping anyhow. Give us a little taste of the pie, so to speak. Again, we sincerely appreciate it. Now, on with the show. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Another week has gone by in the Nerdiverse, and we are here with another episode of Nerd Cognito. My name is Ryan David. As always, I'm joined by Bert. What's up, Bert? Hey, Ryan. How's it going, man? Uh, Not too bad. Um, I just saw you last night. <laughs> um, glad that you're feeling well enough to to come back to the Nerd Cognito gaming table. That was we had a good time. I think. I think. Absolutely. I think we had a great time. We, I finally got to play Old Gods and see what all the hype sleeping was about. Gods. Sleeping Gods. Sleeping Gods. Sleeping Gods. Sleeping Gods. Yeah. You, see what all the hype was about. You, you got to jump on board the hype train. Um, obviously, we're not gonna dedicate more time to sleeping gods but if you didn't hear my thoughts of it uh rundown and review of it is available on last week's podcast make sure that you are liked subscribed and go back through the archives and check it out uh i loved the game before uh i i continue to love the game now bert uh Three seconds, or three seconds. <laughs> how, about a th- how about a 30 second uh, general feeling, Sleeping Gods, yay or nay? Oh, definitely a yay. Uh, the combat mechanic was very interesting. I like the uh, sort of the storybook feel to it. I-, I thought it was a well put together game. I can see why you guys enjoyed it when you played it without me. Yeah, yeah, we, we, we definitely enjoyed it. And. You know, we were able to just plop you right in because of the nature of the co-op that it is. Well, this week, we are not talking about Sleeping Gods. We are going to be talking to friend of the show, Robert Cruzy, who is the founder of BasedCon, for those of you that don't know, and an author in his own right. And he's going to share some thoughts with us both on the convention and his newest works. We, of course, have the news and on the flip side of the news, Bert, since you're going to be ducking out, because I actually talked to Rob um, when you were not available. Um, on the flip side of the news, since it is our first podcast in my favorite month of the year, October, I can't think of a better thing than just to run down some horror things that we like to visit in October that sort of check all of the nerdy boxes, be it 
TV, movie, board games, tabletop games, you name it. We're going to talk about just general fun horror shit to do. How does that tickle you? <laughs> Works for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I think that it's going to be an interesting show. Bert will let you sit back and listen to the interview with Rob, and and we'll come back and, and check it out. Sound like a plan, man? That works for me. All right. And then through the magic of edits, <laughs> I'm going to fast forward to when I talked with our dear friend. <laughs> ah, through the magic of editing, uh, it is me, and I am here by myself. Bert's, Bert has gone off to a faraway land. Uh, he just couldn't make it here, but I am joined by Rob Cruzy. Rob, welcome to Nerd Cognito. Thanks for dropping by. Thanks for having me on. Hey, no problem. You have a very, very full plate right now. I was, I was doing some homework before you showed up, and just looking at the laundry list of stuff... <laughs> that, that you have going on and it it, it blows me away um you're a busy beaver my friend yeah it's um actually less so right now than than a few weeks ago when i was really uh tearing my hair out but uh yeah i've always got something going on i i, I um you know we just got done with based con which is uh so that's that's a big relief to have that done and then i i kicked uh, i launched my kickstarter um shortly after that for for the new project and 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 just finished up another series um shortly before based con and so yeah it was kind of there was a lot going on for a while there so it's 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 well i'm 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 it's sort of the lull the calm before the storm right now because i'm i'm researching um and kind of um, promoting the kickstarter and then i'm going to get back into writing well that's so. that's that's just phenomenal for those of you that don't know uh, rob is instrumentally the organizer of based con and uh, he is also a fantastic author that just launched, uh, I believe it was at the end of September, uh, a Kickstarter for effectively his new series of books. And we're going to talk about all of those things with him tonight. So, uh, you know, you 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 sort of did my job for me. You ran it down. That's awesome. <laughs> went, went through the whole. You, you yeah, did. Hit, hit all the bullet points. That's good. Hey, that's fine. Why don't you take the day off too, and I'll just I'll just I'll, talk about myself. I'll, <laughs> that's what you're here for, my man. We we have to support each other, otherwise nobody's going to. So, um, tell me tell me how first we'll roll it back to based con. You know. How, Anything super exciting? And, and tell the folks that may not know what and where BasedCon is, what it is. So give us sort of the, the dime store tour of BasedCon. So BasedCon is a based science fiction convention. Um, the idea is uh, I used to go to a lot of uh, sci-fi cons. I've been writing novels, sci-fi novels and fantasy novels for, uh, I don't know, 12 years or so now. And uh I used to go to a lot of these cons and writer conferences and stuff. Um, and it was a lot of fun. You just kind of go and hang out with people and talk about sci-fi and you, um, you know, drink a lot and eat and <laughs> hang out with people and that kind of stuff. And, um, a few years ago, as with like everything else in society, um, everything got kind of weird with, um, all the social justice, progressivism and everything and kind of took over the sci-fi space literature and you know the publishing industry and and sci-fi as as part of that have, have always been kind of left-leaning for the most part 
Um, but it was never like, I never felt like it was hostile um, right. until like, yeah, a few years ago, it just, it started to get to the point where I was really uncomfortable um, going to these things because it just felt like there's, there very much was a kind of, um, if you, you stepped out of line, um, you know, you would, you would get, I mean, well, they get, people get canceled, get kicked out of these cons or get, you know, their, their invitations revoked and stuff just because of some, some minor uh, infraction of the code or whatever. And um, so I, sorry, I didn't mean to step on you. It sounded like you were going to, you were going to. No, I was going to say uh, a lot of folks in the sphere of nerd cognito, they sort of know that there was this sort of version 1.0 of a podcast. And one of my partners was also a uh, reasonably mid-sized self-published science fiction author. Uh, I don't know if you know him. I'm certainly not going to name drop him, and I'll probably okay. edit it, but uh, his initials are... <laughs> and he and I um, had a, a reasonable audience built through Facebook groups at the time and and the podcast, and we got along famously. You know, we, we told each other inappropriate jokes, and it was, it was a true bromance... Um, but it was right around that time where things started to spin. And I always look at myself as not left or right or red or blue. In fact, we sort of pride ourselves that Nerd Cognito takes a step away from politics because that's sort of my philosophy. It's science fiction, guys. We want right. to we want to have fun and read about cool shit. And, um, you know, that mindset sort of sunk in with my partner at the time and uh, obviously we are no longer partners so when folks ask me hey you know where's episode you know one through close to 100 of the podcast i have to say well they're kind of tied up because there's this whole snafu and i don't really want to go to court over them you know it's the audio was bad he wasn't great on the air i'm okay with it <laughs> they, they could just fade <laughs> away uh, but yeah. no i it, it was Right around that time period, uh, you could you almost nailed it to a T. So I sympathize with you. Yeah, and I, I had, um, you know, I got into um, writing. Well, I mean, I, I've been writing for a long time, but I, I published my first, self-published my first book in 2009, and then I got picked up by Amazon's publishing company. And that was been when they were throwing a lot of money at us and actually th uh, flew a, a bunch of authors out to New York a couple of times. And so and I went to a bunch of events with other uh, Amazon published authors. So I got to know a lot of these people. Um, and then our, everything got weird uh, a few years later. And basically almost none of them uh, even talked to me anymore. <laughs> just right. because for no reason I, whatsoever, because yeah, because like, I, I mean, I, and I wasn't I, at the, at the time I, I was kind of not, you know, political either. So, so I, I, um, I kind of got out of politics and then, so, so then when I was writing, you know, nobody really knew the sort of conservative side of me or anything. And I was fine because I was like, whatever, it's cool. I'm now I'm writing science fiction novels and fantasy or whatever. And it's like, I don't want to get into politics with stuff, you know, anyway. And I knew these people are all like, you know, almost 90 something percent of them are leaning left. Sure. And it was fine. I didn't care. You know, it's like, I, they, we just hung out and drank and talked about stuff. But then, you know, again, it was just, you know, I don't know. I can't nail down when it was exactly, but finally decided, well, screw that. I'm not going to like, I'm not going to censor myself. Um, and so now, then I started becoming a loudmouth again. And I, I went back <laughs> kind of my, 
my libertarian roots and I'm, I'm still pretty conservative, but kind of sort of a conservatarian, you know, I was going to uh, say, I, I tend to rub everybody the wrong way because I don't view myself as left or right. I view myself as like freedom and Liberty based. So, yeah. um, but, but again, that shouldn't matter. And, and I really wish Bert, my co-host was here because politically he's on the opposite side with me but guess what you know we're human beings we're allowed to disagree yeah <laughs> and, 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 and we and, still are friends and have a good time and you know we just and people like us who who are like yeah who, who just want to hang out and have fun and not make everything about politics well just just the desire to make not everything about politics now makes you some kind of right wing fanatic. I know. You're, so you're, it's like you're a pariah. You're, being, <laughs> you're, you're saluting yeah, you're, Hitler because you're gonna be you an don't want to be in it. I, I, I was talking to, um, to get back to based, on, based con, I was talking to a few other um, authors online a couple of years ago and saying, you know, we should have a place where like authors who want to just go and talk about sci fi can get together because all these spaces have been kind of ruined. Um, and so we, I was, I was talking about it on Twitter and the possibility of setting something up. And then people started re responding with, you know, what about, about, you know, like non authors, what about just readers or fans? And I said, yeah, that would be fine too. It'd be, it'd be a good, sounds like a good time, you know, ha get authors together with fans. And, um, so there, there was, seemed to be a lot of enthusiasm about it. So I set up an interest list and got, I don't know, a hundred or so people on it and, Finally, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to, um, I'm going to set something up and see if anybody shows up. And so I basically, I rented a, was essentially an Airbnb as a, just a really kind of a big sprawling house, uh, here in, in West Michigan, right, right near, um, Lake Michigan, about, <clears throat> excuse me, about 40 minutes out of, uh, Grand Rapids. And, um, I needed basically 30 people to, I set up a, a website for it and, a, you know, registrations online. Um, and I needed... 30 people to register to cover the cost of the venue and sure. the food. And we ended up with 70 people. Well, congratulations. So it, That's spectacular. For, it was for amazing. The first it was time more out. than double. Yeah. For the first time out and kind of last minute, because like this was all within like, the, you know, it was, I started really organizing it maybe six months before the thing actually happened. So it was very much like last minute, no marketing, totally word of mouth hadn't done this before just we're gonna have got a bunch of people together i'm gonna throw together a panel schedule um and and it, it was fantastic i mean there were there were some hiccups uh, as you would expect the first time doing this um and i was i was running around like a crazy person the whole time because i, I had, was trying to keep everything running um parking sounds like a nightmare parking was yeah but there, <laughs> parking was an issue uh and there were some there's some audiovisual stuff as there there always is that was another big thing and there were a few other little things um like i ended up with like there, we, we were supposed to have dessert ice cream for dessert one night and like the ice cream never got served so i ended up having all this leftover ice cream that i was like storing at my mom's house because i had and like i don't know how many gallons of ice cream that, that then you uh, became like, a whole different level of creepy come on kids let's have some ice cream <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i was driving through the neighborhood and just, um so no, yeah, I, I uh, so it was, it went really well though. As people had a blast, and so I said, okay, well, we're we're definitely doing this again. And I ended up having it at the same venue again uh, this year, um, just a couple weeks ago. 
Uh, and um, we had, um, so it was about 20% more than the first year, which was what I was actually aiming at because I figured 20% is good, good growth. And it was about the limit of, of that venue. And we're going to do it uh, next year. We're going to have it in a different venue because we just were bursting at the seams. Hey, but, slow yeah, it, it, and it steady growth is the way to go, man. I mean, yeah. And the first time um, we, we did learn from a lot of our, our mistakes, the first time around, it went much more smoothly. The, the second time I had a few little things where I was like momentarily stressed about, but it was like, for the most part, everything ran smoothly and p- people were cool and it was, you know, no big problems. And everybody had, we, the panels were fantastic. It was just, I was blown away by the quality of, of, of the uh, discussions, the panelists, and, and I mean, honestly, better than any, I mean, it was better than the first year. And I had people telling me the first year that the the quality of our panels was better than any, um, you know, professional con that they had been to before. So it's, it was really good stuff. No, that's spectacular. And, you know, I, I just love the, the idea that it was born out of a, a love for the genre and sort of a reaction to the, no, 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 we're not talking about that bullshit. We're talking about our craft. So, right. uh, you know. And that's primarily what it was. Like, I don't want to give the impression that it was like a bunch of crazy, um, like, right-wingers planning a, an insurrection <laughs> or something. It was, it was just, honestly, it was just nerds getting together to talk about sci-fi. But it was, you know, it was talking about sci-fi in an environment where you could really exchange ideas, you know. Right, without the haze <laughs> or that? the stigma of right. having uh, what you disagree oh now you are my mortal enemy so uh, yeah. you know we need more things like that no shits given if you agree or disagree with me on just about anything uh, right. i'm not going to hate you for it don't hate me for it so i i really the the heart of based con uh i am a hundred percent behind so um Hats off to you. Glad to see the growth. Uh, you know, next yeah, year, prior to I'm, the con, uh, hit us up and, and let us know, and we'll we'll, we'll talk about yeah, the, for sure. the whole the whole rundown that you have. But yeah. you got something more important right now on the plate, and that's your Kickstarter, because I imagine this is a pretty big deal. This is your your year in thirty days. Yeah, I uh, yeah, this is my kind of. Uh, um, this is how I I've said that on Twitter, like this is, this is when I find out whether I get to be a writer again for the, for another year. Um, <laughs> I do one of these about every year or so year, year and a half. Um, and it's, it's a significant amount of my income. I don't make a huge, I make a, I make a living as a, as a writer writing novels, which is, I mean, it's F- amazing. Because it's like, right? I mean, almost nobody does that. I mean, it's just that in itself that just to make that you can make money, uh, make enough money just to get by writing novels. Is, I mean, that's it's my dream. And so the idea of, you know, I mean, there there are people who are, you know, the Stephen Kings and J.K. Rowling's who are like the mega, you know. Right. Way, but way also we have to recognize to some extent they effectively hit the lottery as well. Right. So, so I mean, yeah, the odds. I mean, even even doing it at the level that I'm doing it is is when you consider the odds of you know that it's pretty much hitting the lottery just to be able to do it at all. So anyway, um, the point is that this Kickstarter is um, I, I the goal is fifteen thousand and I'm really close to twenty thousand right now and I think I'll probably get close to twenty five thousand by the end, which is great because that gives me enough breathing room that I can you know, write the, write the series. 
um, over the next year or so. And then, of course, I have Amazon sales after that, too. But this is basically, you know, publishers. Well, I don't do traditional publishing anymore um, because there isn't really any advantage to it. But this is kind of the the modern version of the of the advance that you used to get from a publisher where they would say, okay, we know you've got skill. Um, You know, you've got you can sell books. So here's twenty thousand dollars to write a novel. Here's enough to live um, on while you here's write. enough right while you're writing this book. Here's enough here's something to that you can you can actually make the pay your rent. <laughs> and uh, eat, you know, you know silly things like yeah, that. It's not it's usually not a lot of money unless you're again, you know, Stephen King or somebody. But uh so this is yeah, this is kind of that for me. This is my pledge drive for the year. So I spend thirty days just talking this thing uh you know, shamelessly, and uh, it's going really well. Um, people seem to be excited about it. So that's great, and, and I cool. want to encourage everybody right now to drill down into your podcast provider and look at the show notes. We will have a link directly to the Kickstarter. Hey, even if you've never read a single word from Rob's pen, check out the Kickstarter, and if you can back the philosophy, throw a couple bones his way so that he can continue to create because creation and content creators need to be supported at the most fundamental level. So again, go to the show notes, find the link, click, 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 and throw a couple bucks his way. Um, the cross time crusade is the, is the name of it. Cross time. Well, well, tell us about this series that you're, that you're looking to, to invest I guess a good chunk of the next year of your life into. Yeah. So it's, um, it's, uh, kind of a, I, I like to um, keep mixing things up. Every one of my series is a little bit different. I always try to challenge myself and do something a little different. And I like to mix different genres. So this one is basically sci-fi, but it's a, it's a time travel story about, um, well, there's a, there's human civilization is basically threatened by, um, well, demons, okay. <laughs> to, to, to put it uh, in a sh- uh, shortly, it's um, hey, sort of this cabal. Of the D&D player in me just smiled. So, right. So, yeah. So this sort of the secretive cabal of, 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 of evil beings is, is threatening um, human civilization. And they're the only way to, um, to fight, figure out how to stop these things is that there's this book called the Codex Babylon which is this ancient manuscript, but it's been lost. So the only way you can get one is to go, they have to send this guy back in time and he has to go um, basically uh, meet the Knights Templar during the Crusades and because they're the last ones who um, had this had a copy of last this, known this copy book. was with them. Yeah, and basically has to, so he has to basically um, join up with them and convince them to help him get this book. And then bring it back to the present. No small task, uh, by the way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I like to give my characters, yeah, a bit of a challenge. So it's going to be, yeah. And, and so then the first book is Codex Babylon, and then the and then there's going to be uh, three in the series. And there's so much. Well, three in the series that I'm planning, but there's so much. Um, I'm, I mean, I'm researching just the Templars and the and. Gnosticism and medieval hermeticism and demonology and egregores and all, just everything because there's there's so much fascinating stuff um, with all the with the with the Templars and all the you know the conspiracy oh, theories oh, yeah. and everything. 
yeah, you um, could go for a, an entire series just on the Gnostic roots of the temple. Oh yeah, so, I mean, yeah, it's, just just I mean, yeah, and just just the just I mean, yeah, the the, the roots of like medieval hermeticism and alchemy and all this uh, you know crazy stuff. Um, yeah, there's and there's yeah, there's like a hundred different directions you could you could take this thing in too. So there's a lot of things that I'd like to explore. That would, this this gives me the room to to explore with these books. So it'd be cool to be able to write more than three. We'll see how the sales are on the front. You know how the Kickstarter does, Kickstarter does, and then how the how the Amazon sales are um, after that. So we'll see if I if it, maybe it'll be just three books, but it would be cool to be able to do more. Hey, hey, I anything we could do to to support you, just let us know. Uh, Rob, thanks for swinging by again. The founder, the big bad of BasedCon <laughs> and uh, Codex Babylon, the first in in this series that sounds fantastic. Uh, check out his Kickstarter. You can search that or find the link in our show notes. Uh, hey, Rob, great talking to you this week. Uh, we wish you the best of luck, and you know. We're not. Uh, we're certainly not Joe Rogan, but hopefully we'll get a couple of clicks in your directions for you. So, great. I, I very much appreciate the, all the support. No, not a problem. Thanks for swinging by. You bet. Always an interesting talk when we have uh, some guests on the show. So yeah, Bert Rob has a con. He's an author. Uh, it's always interesting to hear from fellow creatives, and I. I, I can't stress enough how we have to support each other because god knows no one's going to support us <laughs> uh, but rob had had some interesting things to share yeah oh absolutely it's not news to anybody that some of the most creative and innovative content creators you know we seek them out and we want to talk to them and rob like most others did not disappoint but holy shit bert I said news. Oh, of course you did. <laughs> well, you know, I have to say it eventually every week. That's kind of the shtick, you know. I, I, and like news, and you go, oh, news. And then I commiserate until our bump is done, and then we, we talk about the news. So here we are. The bump is done, so we could talk about the news. Uh, <laughs> this week, we've got uh, a bunch of different options of poison for us to go through, sort of spanning all genres, but I want to start with the video game genre, and there has been a death in the world of video gaming this week. Bert? I did not hear about this. Yes, Google Stadia will shut down in January 2023. Uh, for those of you that don't know, Stadia is Google's streaming gaming service. Uh, when it originally came out, and and gee, this this should probably fucking tell you why it's going to shut down. Google, uh, you know, I have a, a couple of buddies that get a paycheck from Alphabet. Um, <laughs> Google sent me a Stadia founders something something kit. Well, it what was it? it was a Chromecast Ultra and the Stadia controller. Right, they just sent it right. out to me for for me to check out. Uh, Bert, you know the double door closet in my game room. Yeah, I'm, if, I I know where you're at. If you open that double door closet, uh, inside there's a litany of shelves because gamers can never have too many shelves. 
And if you go down to the next to the bottom shelf and rummage around, you will still find sealed. <laughs> oh, the, boy. The Google Stadia kit. Um, so uh, it just it didn't did not appeal to me. And apparently I was not alone. You know, rumors were abound in the video game world that Google has been looking to kill it for about a year. Um, but they're doing it the right way. And I don't often say this about Google. They are doing it the right way. They are going to shut down the service on January 18th. And all hardware purchases that were made through the Google Store and all software, including add-on content and DLC, will be 100% refunded. So Google's just going to eat it. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, the catch is it does have to be purchases that were made through the Stadia, or through the Stadia store, which is through their Google store, right? So okay. if you bought the hardware off the shelf at retail, and I don't even honestly know if you could or not, because I always had one, and it was one of those, well, I'll check it out later. I'll check it out later. I'll check it out later. And then GeForce Now came along, and that is my streaming service do choice you know having not looked at google i also didn't like some of the some of the red tape and some of the licensing that went around with it which is why i never ended up opening the package um but the the one thing that everybody says is that the controller is magnificent so in my closet there's a great wireless controller <laughs> that that's, that's going to work with nothing uh, because Google has intentionally software crippled the Bluetooth in the controller so that it won't function well as a standalone Bluetooth controller. It only functions in their sort of ecosystem. Hopefully, hopefully, they also will push out an update to that Bluetooth in that controller so that people that have this hardware, even though they're refunding it, people that have the hardware have an option other than just creating more e-junk, right? Right. So we'll see how it goes. Um, don't know. It, it, it's I know of absolutely zero people that streamed through Stadia, where I know everybody that streams games now, every single person I know that has a game streaming service is using GeForce now. So, uh, like I said, the writing was on the wall, but... They're making it good to their customers, which is a shock because we're not talking a new service, Bert. Uh, Stadia, I want to say it launched in 2019. So, yeah. That sounds about right. We'll see. And, uh, hey, if they decripple the, the controller when uh, my current Xbox controller that I use for, for gaming goes kablooey, maybe I'll pull pull it out of that box and open it up. Or if if I ever need another 4K Chromecast. <laughs> there, there's one in that box too. Um, <laughs> sticking with video games this week. You know that fans of particular series uh, can go, well, a little off the deep end when the series is opened up for creation or modding, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that this is part batshit crazy and part brilliant. 
a Super Mario Maker. So on the Switch, right, where you can make okay. your own levels of, of Super Mario Brothers, and you can skin it in different art styles from games across the years, from the original Super Mario Brothers art style through you know 16-bit through uh, through modern art styles, has released what they call Super Mario Brothers Five after seven years of development through the Mario Maker engine. Wait, so they created a game on their own creation engine? They created a full-fledged Mario game using Super <laughs> Mario Maker, which is insane. The user's name is Metroid Mike. Um, I dabbled with Super Mario Maker when I picked up my Switch. I found it, uh, you know, just relaxing, but it also wasn't the greatest interface for building levels because you're, you're, you're in a console world, right? Sure. Um, it's not as though you know, keyboard and mouse drag shit in, but uh, this guy did it. And uh, according to Metroid Mike 64, who is the guy that put all of those hours in, seven years worth of work, uh, he says the gameplay is all classic Mario. Okay. I'm not trying to troll classic. you or purposely try to kill you. I'm trying to provide you with something that Nintendo should have done already. Make a full Mario game within Super Mario Maker 2 that's fun as heck. This Super <laughs> Mario World features 40 full courses spread out across eight worlds. 24 courses from Super Mario World. 14 courses from Super Mario Brothers 3, so he's talking about the different art styles and game styles, and two courses from Super Mario Brothers. There are no newer courses included in my game. It's only the classics. So if NES, SNES, 2D Mario is your jam, this game is for you. Um, oh, okay. So That's interesting. If you have Super Mario Maker 2, and you want to download it, um, check him out. He's at MetroidMike64 on Twitter. And holy shit, dude. I don't know if he's crazy or dedicated or autistic or all three. But my hat's off to him because that is an undertaking that I know I, I would not have the patience to do, says the guy right, that's making his TTRPG. <laughs> And it's very strange, too, that the, uh, you know, it's, he's gone sort of, like, do you call it a new game? Do you call it, like, an homage? Like, how do you classify something like that? Don't know. Don't know. I, I will download it and check it out. I got to find the Switch. Um, <laughs> I haven't seen it for years. Uh, it is either somewhere in previously mentioned closet of, of you know, failed tech and lots of old books. And a couple of firearms. <laughs> I mean, it's a weird closet, Bert. <laughs> Sounds like a weird closet, my friend. Uh, it, it's either in Closet of Doom or the prodigal daughter took it with her. So uh, one of those two options. And I honestly don't know, but if I had to lay a bet down, I would say the prodigal daughter took it with her. So it, it may not even be in the house. But I, I don't know. I don't know. I almost want to go out and buy another Switch if I can't find it, just just for that. But I'm waiting for the next generation one. Let's kick over to 
the Dungeons and Dragons world. Now, Bert, you were with us when we had the spectacular pinnacle of alignment of stars in the tabletop role-playing talking head world. And we had the, for lack of a better term, it's being called the OSR roundtable. The OSR roundtable? That wasn't what it was at all. I know, but that's what the Sparkle Trolls have nicknamed it. They've nicknamed it the OSR roundtable. There were clearly people that were not OSR included in that, and while I philosophically align with the OSR, I'm not ready to bust out my red box anytime soon. But no, they're, they're calling it the OSR roundtable. One of the things that we all took exception to, I think across the board universally, was the concept of natural ones and natural 20s, no matter what represented a absolute success or an absolute failure. And that rubbed well, a, not just us the wrong way, but a lot of the, the, the sparkly ones the wrong way too. I mean, it's an interesting idea as far as that's concerned because the, uh, you know, even an idiot, I guess, could get lucky and kill you, but it's just kind of a, kind of a weird thing there have always been like house rules and things like that as far as like auto success. You know, we all know about critical hits and things right. like that. But but there are some things that just are not possible. And this opened up a door for the players to do that, do the impossible. Um, even in a heroic setting, you know, I'm not going to leverage my strength and jump or whatever fucking skill it may be in 5th edition and try to pull off some outrageous beyond human feat. Roll a 20, <laughs> and then, you know, as a DM, you're, you're sort of pigeonholed into a tough position then, because if you don't allow it, you're distinctly breaking rules as written. And if you do allow it, you're fucking breaking the verisimilitude of your game. Look, that's, that's our word of the week, verisimilitude. Okay. Um, so it's a I, good word. It I is here every day. It is. I threw a five dollar word at you, Bert. Uh, well, Wizards has already walked that back. <laughs> Ones and twenties are not now automatically successes, and you, you know I'm typically critical of Wizards, right? Just no. a little bit. Yeah, no. Yeah. Well, I, my hats off to Wizards of the Coast for this one. They totally pulled a wag the dog on the tabletop role-playing community, got everybody spun up into a tizzy, no matter what side of the philosophical coin you were on. And I said, eh, eh. You know what we said about those ones and twenties? Maybe it's not an automatic failure. Maybe it's not an automatic success. You know, you know, you roll one, uh, maybe you just get inspiration. Because you fucked up so bad, you really <laughs> want to do it good. Um, yeah, they they released a video on YouTube in their Unearthed Arcana series, which I also cringe every time I say that because Unearthed Arcana is something near and dear to my nostalgic heart, and the fact that they use that term for their YouTube series just molarams my heart right out of my chest. But... Um, 
Yeah, they they one hundred percent backpedaled for their new one D and D. Oh, I should I should hit the reverb button for that. One D and D. There we go. <laughs> All right. Are they fucking just playing us, Bert? I don't know. I mean, put something out and retract it so quickly. I mean, they said that you know things were going to be changing and things like that, but you know to. Put something out and then retract it immediately seems kind of weird. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it's it's not a little. Oh, you know we've we, we've play tested this change. This is a significant rules change that they put out both times. It was a significant rule change the first time, and now right. that they chose to uh, no, 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 no. it's a significant rule change again. So if they are playing us, ooh, frog in my throat. If they are playing us, hats off to them because they did a great job working their public, and that includes you and I. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess so. Uh, you know, I'm a fan of the work, right? So I I can hope, hope that this shows that in some capacity they have not abandoned us because if we're important enough to work – we're important enough to be a customer, so. Uh, you mean if we have income that we can spend, <laughs> yeah, they want it. I, I don't know. The, Just like every other company. Well, I was not even convinced they were going after our money anymore. And I'm still not. This is just a glimmer of hope. And maybe, maybe I'm being foolish or naive, but it is a glimmer. And, and I will take that glimmer because, God damn it, I, I've said it before in the past. Grew up on D&D. It's a big part of my being. And I want to love it again. I don't want to have this angst towards it. So glimmers of hope are, are welcomed with open arms. Glimmer all over me, baby. Yeah, I mean, for the first three and a half editions, I was a D&D guy all the way. But after that... Four, I didn't, I didn't really care for the way four was set up. Five is, eh, take it or leave it. So, kind of seeing what's coming next, you know, it, it doesn't seem like the last couple of revisions have made a lot of improvements to the to the game that I want to play. You know what I mean? So right. it's, it'll be interesting to see what they do with this. Yeah, we'll, we'll see where it goes. And last but not least, sort of as a segue to our final segment, uh, there was a list of different board games that are considered, quote, creepy. Creepy. Okay. Creepy board games. uh, It it caught my eye because on the list was one that we talked about recently being the oldie but goodie, the bloody inn. Oh, sure. So I actually went through the list, and um, as always with any list, some of them are home runs and some of them are stinkers and a couple of them are stuck in the middle of the road but in no particular order uh we have mysterium which i i'm a fan of mysterium i like mysterium i know some folks don't don't like mysterium i don't know that i'd call that creepy i mean it can be a little unsettling with the premise and trying to figure things out like it can be sort of a brain scramble, but I don't really see that one as creepy. Oh, no, I, I totally agree, but you got to remember the rest of the world is. So um, creepy, 
does does apply. Like, look at what horror movies are today. <laughs> you mean you mean not horror movies? Yeah, well, we'll talk about it next. Uh, okay. Here, here's one that I know you're a fan of: Dead of Winter. Ah, yeah, that one can be creepy with the crossroads cards and things like that. The crossroad cards really can ramp up that creep factor. Right, but again, w- with with society, especially remember the the zombie hard on of ten years ago, where everything was zombies all the time. Yes, yes. Uh, uh, creepy. Don't know. That's their word, not mine. Uh, betrayal at House on the Hill. We've that one can get creepy depending on what triggers the events. Right, you know? and what haunt you get. I, I will give yeah, that. Absolutely. Some of them could be considered creepy. Absolutely. Uh, Ultimate Werewolf. Uh, that's really going to depend on the players. Right, yeah. I mean, most of the time that I've been in a group big enough to play that, people were drinking and like being goofy. Like It didn't have a real creepy atmosphere. Arkham Horror, the card game. Now, you've not played this. I have not. Uh, and I play this, and um, or have played it, I should say. Uh, we, we've since stopped because there were just too many uh, packs to, to keep up with. But, you know, it's it's Lovecraft, so sure. maybe creepy. Uh, this one's funny. I actually just picked up a vintage copy for my collection because mine disappeared into the abyss. Um this will throw you back. 13 Dead End Drive. <laughs> oh my goodness. 13 Dead End Drive. Now there is a re-release of it, which is out, and I actually saw it. I was in the friendly local gaming store today, and uh, it, it is up on the Halloween display. But uh, I did find a pristine original release copy for my collection. Uh, Do you remember the commercial? Oh, it was terrible. It was terrible. terrible. So terrible. bad. It was after school special on steroids commercial for a board game. Right. Um, and, and and people say that's creepy. It's it, more like goofy than well, anything. Remember, I mean, I digress. Uh, Fury of Dracula. Good. Okay. Yeah, that's a good game. Solid play. Good, solid, hidden movement game. But again, not creepy. It's not not that creepy. Not, not no, that creepy. the bloody end. And uh, yeah, okay, that one, that one, that one's got a little bit of a creep factor to it. Yeah, I mean, you're murdering the guests at the inn. So right, yeah. Uh, and then last but not least, Mansions of Madness, which with the app and with the atmospheric sound effects and music and the narration. Hmm. Yeah, a little bit. And I, I know I, I have a, a, a soft spot in my heart for mansions, but uh, I, I, I will I will give the nod to Mansions of Madness being at the top of the list. But that, my friend, is the not-so-terrible news for this week. Yeah, it was pretty interesting. Yeah, I don't know that it's uh, anything earth-shattering. I mean, the Google Stadia news is great news if you were invested in that ecosystem and... The problem is I don't know anyone that's invested in that ecosystem. So if you were one of the people that are invested in the ecosystem, please, please write me, nerdcognitopodcast at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you on your perspective of it, uh, possibly for an upcoming segment on the show. But, you know, what are the odds that one of the four people that used Google Stadia is listening right now? that's, that's, That's the problem. That's the problem. Uh, my favorite time of the year, Bert. It's not hot Fall? anymore. Right. I mean, it does rain a little more often. It but, does, yeah. But, but 
but you always have a nice cool breeze. Uh, the leaves are falling from the tree. And my favorite holiday of Halloween falls in October. So I get it all at once. I get autumn. I get coolness after summer has beat my ass down and made me sweat. <laughs> I get a little bit of creepy on my own with Halloween. And fucking candy, right? You know? There's a reason that we take the little dude trick-or-treating. And that's so dad has candy. You mean it's so dad can check his candy. Oh, yeah. Like, Make sure <laughs> that it's all okay. Um, but along with that, I don't think that there is any hiding the fact that I am a fan of, generally speaking, the horror genre, whether it be in role-playing games or board games or television mm-hmm. or movies. Yeah, it, absolutely. It's probably my favorite genre. I, I know it, it may not be your favorite, but I know it's up there for you too. Yeah, I mean it's pretty close. I, I can I can do horror, sci-fi, fantasy. Like that, I I'm all over the place when it comes to movies, but horror always has a soft spot in my heart. I grew up watching horror movies that I wasn't supposed to be watching with my uncle when I was a kid. And... <laughs> I remember being. Absolutely obliterated for watching The Exorcist way earlier than I ever should have. Yep, nothing like being with my uncle, and uh, he, he's uh, he's like, "Oh, hey, you want to watch a movie? Sure. Don't tell your mom I let you watch this. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street." I'm like, "Hey, ah, uh, good old Freddy, good old Freddy." So I, I was thinking, not only because. Well, there's not a lot going on in the gaming and nerdy and pop culture world it's sort of a lull right now it is why not talk about some of the things that we enjoy that align with our nerd culture and october or halloween okay why not so it's kind of wide open i don't really have a format you know this because we were talking before we went on the air i was like i I don't know talk about halloween (laughs) Um, no joke folks i i really was i was for like 30 minutes what's our segment halloween um but but yeah no there's there's definitely things and i sort of watch it year round but this time of year is when it's socially acceptable for me to throw a horror movie to the little dude. <laughs> oh, sure. Absolutely. So uh, I can or pick... to have people over to watch horror movies, yeah, you know? Yeah. Pick and choose. Maybe, maybe I should throw the screen up on a night where it's not too, too cold and not too, too rainy. And we can get the fire going and we can have an outdoor horror screening. That would be fun. Oh, that sounds perfect. Yeah, I'm definitely in for that. Because I can, I can throw the projector and the screen up in no time. So, hmm, hmm, thoughts, thoughts, thoughts. So, well, let, let's throw it out there. What are we going to put on that screen? Let's 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 start with a film, and then we'll talk about some of the other things that uh, are are in the genre as well. You know, other sure. other media. But uh, what 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 is your go to horror movie? Well, it really this with the time of the year, 
you know, I tend to wax a little nostalgic around Halloween. So normally I like something, you know, that's gripping and that's, uh, you know, maybe even a little cerebral and creepy. But this time of year, I kind of go back to sort of the uh, the classic. You Got know, a pull the heart- slasher, not- aren't you, Bert? <laughs> right, right. I'm thinking, I'm thinking a slasher. I'm probably, you know, just because it's, it's a little on the nose to pull one of the Halloween movies, but, you know, that... Uh, uh, why not? Of the slashers, that's probably the choice, right? Right. I mean, the soundtrack to that was creepy, and uh, the casting in it was great. I was always a big fan of uh, the Michael Myers series of films. I would probably pull the original Halloween. There you go. And, you know... I have a soft spot in my heart for Halloween too. I, I know, I know, it, it's it's not great, but going into it as a slasher, mm-hmm. compared to what was being—I mean, look at Nightmare on Elm Street too, right? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> All right, That's true. Uh, you know, you know, if you look at the other big, big ones, right? So you got Freddie, Jason, and Michael Myers as your big slashers. And Leatherface bringing up the rear. Right. And I think the the kind of the direction that they went with Nightmare on Elm Street and um, Friday the 13th is they ramped up some of that camp factor. And Halloween didn't really do that. Like Halloween 2 still felt like a Halloween 2 a still tried to say, stay yeah. a little more serious. You're absolutely right. right. And it, it still had... My man, Donald Pleasance. <laughs> oh, yeah. Donald Pleasance was great in that movie. Uh, I'm a sucker for anything with Donald Pleasance in it. But, uh, no, uh, you know. So you a Puppet Masters guy? I am. I am indeed. <laughs> okay. it, it's, it, there, there is not a Donald Pleasance film that I won't watch. But, yeah, of the slashers, I, 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 I tend to agree with you. Michael Myers is the more... <sighs> I guess, cerebral slasher, right? You know, they all have supernatural qualities. They um, do, but... but Michael is more human, and that's what makes him more terrifying, the fact that he's a little more human. Right, I mean, Jason's more of a robotic killing machine, and Freddy is more of a, you know, a taunting nightmare, whereas Michael Myers is, you know, just basically a psychopath with a knife. Right. You know, it's kind of... It's right. more... Not, it's not more realistic, maybe, but it feels more. It feels more visceral, you know what I mean, than the than the other two. Sure, sure. All right, so you pulled Michael Myers. Um, I'm going to stick with the big three here. I'm not going to go to to Texas Chainsaw Massacre or mm-hmm. or, or mm-hmm. any of the the triple A's here. I'm, I'm going to stay in the big leagues, and I'm going to say. Uh, since you robbed my Halloween pick, which is fine, it, it, it rightfully so. Uh, you know that would be the the top pick. I'm gonna say Dream Warriors, Nightmare on Elm Street three, is got to be on folks' list. It is the quintessential best Nightmare on Elm Street movie. Period. Full stop. Uh, yeah, I mean it's got, better than it's the original. The creep, right, it's got the creep factor, but they brought in that sort of dark comedy element and that sort of it, it almost has a little bit of defiance when it comes to some of those like um tropes and things that you see in horror movies right and it's the first time where you know in, in the first one 
it wasn't even Freddy. It was Fred Krueger. Fred right. Krueger. Fred Krueger. Uh, but it's the first time where you saw peaks of it in the second movie, but the second movie was just god-awful from start to finish. Uh, yeah. it, it's really where the development of the character Freddy began and blossomed was in Dream Warriors. Um, it, it, you know, you really understood that you can almost sympathize with him to a degree if he weren't a psychotic dream murder machine, right? Right, right. Uh, yeah, I mean, basically, if he wasn't basically, you know, a crispy fried version of the Joker. <laughs> you know? uh, plus, plus, that was the first one where Freddy really, as as an entity didn't take himself seriously. He realized that he was a dream and he sort of played off of that. Am I overanalyzing a, a bad no. slasher flick? No. Well, I mean, maybe a little, but I can't disagree with you that, I mean, in that one, Freddie kind of came into his own and like I said, added those dark comedic elements and things like that. Like it realized, um, I think that movie realized that if they were going to carry on that the premise had to change a little bit from that serious note to something that people could have a little more fun with. Right. No, I absolutely agree. I absolutely agree. All right. So you pulled the slasher card first. Right. Um, <clears throat> science fiction. Uh, there, there's, you know what my pick is going to be, but there is, there is a pick that's probably better than mine. Um, so tell tell everyone what my picture is going to be, or what my pick for picture is going to be in the science fiction horror genre. Uh, I'm going to assume that you are going to pick, um, oh, what the name? What the hell's the name of the movie? Uh, Event Horizon. I am going to pick Event Horizon, but even I admit there is probably a more quintessential pick that, and you know, hey, you can do a science fiction. Science fiction, double, double feature. feature. Uh, you do a double feature <laughs> with this one. Um, follow up with Event Horizon. I mean, you got to do Alien, right? Yeah, I was kind of thinking that too. I was like, the original Alien would be, you know, because you want something that is going to have, you know, impact and be visceral. And Alien has those gory scenes. It has those sort of jump scares and suspenseful moments, you know, other, other great science fiction movies that are scary are a little more cerebral. Like we talked about, I mentioned the puppet masters. That's a great Donald Pleasant science fiction, sort of horror, like, you know, right. stranger, stranger danger type horror movie. But I think that's definitely not a an honorable mention without a doubt. Sure. Without a doubt. Right, but it's not it's not a great pairing with Event Horizon, whereas the original Alien would be, you know, chestbursters and xenomorphs and the ship that went to hell. That, like, <laughs> that right there is a great double feature. I would watch that, Bill. Yeah, th there you go. We just got to convince the the lady folk that we're going to watch six hours of science fiction. <laughs> That's not going to happen. <laughs> not going to happen. Um, I, I guess uh, you threw an honorable mention out there. I'll put an honorable mention in the science fiction category out there, too. It popped into my brain, and I said, well... Body snatchers? No. The, okay. the fly. The fly. The fly. It's not a gore fest. It is... A, a little cerebral, a little science fiction, 
Uh, little love story, you know, Gina Davis getting it on with Jeff Goldblum. I was um, just going to ask, do you mean the, uh, do you mean the Jeff Goldblum or do you mean the, uh, what the heck was the guy's name? Oh, the, the, original, the original one from no, 58. No, no, no. Yeah. Vincent Price. Not very often does a remake eclipse its original. And I do have a love of Vincent Price, uh, underrated across the board. Watch the pit and the pendulum. If you don't believe Oh me. yeah. Uh, but Mask of the red death. Yes. Too. Yes. Yes. But, uh, without a doubt, the, the eighties, Jeff Goldblum, Gina Davis version is what I think of as the standard bearer for the fly. So, right, and it was one of those movies where, you know, sort of, it was kind of a, not really a precursor to body horror films, but it made sort of a real change to how you thought about them, you know? Right, and practical effects in the 80s were sort of at their peak. Do they all hold up now? Probably, you know, I, I'm thinking in my mind, the full body fly coming out of the pod, probably a little cheese factor by today's standards. Sure. But but again, you know, you're invested and specifically invested in the characters for, for this one. So that's that's my honorable mention. Uh, any horror Good TV choice. that is coming to your screen lately, Bert? Horror TV. Well, I mean, there's a lot of ways you could go with horror TV. There you are. Know? Do, you, do you? I mean, the you know, right now people think about things like The Walking Dead and Stranger Things. But to me, you know, those are more sort of action roles with horror elements. You know what I mean? They aren't, they aren't true horror stories. Right. So... You know, I go back, I, I throw back to things like the original Twilight Zone or the 80s remake of the Twilight Zone, you know, things that um, really put a twist on some of those horror elements. You know what I mean? I do. I do. And and it would be very easy and stereotypical to say, hey, oh, yeah, American Horror Story um, which or, or, sure. or something like that, which... You know, some of the seasons are good. Some of the seasons are not so good. I've, uh, I enjoy the show. Uh, do I consider it straight up horror? Um, yeah, I guess, I guess by modern standards, yes. And, and that's sort it's, of where we're at. Right. You notice, I mean, it's probably the closest thing that we have to what we would think of as horror in like modern, modern television. Right, I, I did enjoy, and I always do enjoy a good anthology series, and American Horror Story is sort of the king of that. Oh, uh, sure. There are the, the the Amazon ones, you know, the Haunting series and Midnight Mass. Uh, the one that's coming out this year, I, I'm actually not wild about. It's, it's it. I, I was joking with, with the boss about this the other night because it's really going to be in my opinion, scary stories to tell in the dark with teenagers. Um, okay. The premise, as I understand it, is there's like eight teenagers, and each week it's one of them telling a story. Not interested. Not interested. Mm, I don't know. Yeah, that's um, not. But especially, well, Midnight Mass was awesome, man. But but again, yeah, it is it horror? Is it horror? Right. That's like, the if you remember when they did the Mist series like that was a great series but is it horror you know what i mean i mean there's a little gore there's a little 
you know, killing here and there, but but is it horror? That's the question. Right. Uh, other genres. Uh, we 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 sort of covered the board games uh, in the news. Sure. Anything in the video realm that you that you like to to visit and or revisit? For for me, you know, if I want to be scared and I want to have that sort of you know nervous like heart racing feeling, I always go back to the Silent Hill series. There you go. Uh, by the way, Konami uh, indirectly soft announced. Oh yeah, yeah. There's going to be a Silent Hill. Uh, no, it has nothing to do with those leaked photos, but there's a Silent Hill. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> just an aside. If 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 you have no idea what we're talking about, uh, go back through the archives and find where where we talk about Silent Hill. I believe it was a news piece where it, where some, it was somebody some, released like unfinished stills or something of like of parts of the game. You'll understand why we found that amusing if you if you if you're a, a regular listener to the show, and if you're not, we encourage you to go check it out so that you can get the chart. Oh yeah, oh, no, that's not Silent Hill. We just happen to have this Silent Hill release that's coming up. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I don't really play video games for the scare, um, and it's tough because. I, maybe I'm a hard sell, but I, I, for me to get scared in a video game, it takes a lot. Um, probably the biggest, most modern game that legitimately gave me the willies was Outlast. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you played that. I did not play Outlast. Uh, creepy, 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 but like with every video game and... In video games, you can't avoid the reveal, right? Because you have to fight it, right? That's right. that's what it is. In cinema and television, ninety nine percent of the terror is the fact that there's no reveal, or could be no reveal, right? Prior to the reveal in Outlast, and I am a pretty grizzled horror vet. There were times where I had to stop playing the game, Bert. Oh wow! Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> Outlast, Outlast gave me the creeps, and I uh, loved it. Loved it because you just don't have that happen all the time. But no, right? I I, I wish I could bo- sort of bottle the feeling with. <laughs> Let's see other horror entries. Alien Isolation is a fantastic. I guess you can call it survival horror game. Um, That's fair. And by survival horror, I mean don't get out of the fucking closet because if you even see the alien, it's too late. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Stay hidden in that locker forever. (laughs) (laughs) And even then, the alien will come into the locker sometimes. Um, But no, a good survival horror game. Trying to think of of anything else that, that gave me that feeling of impending doom. Uh, Alien Isolation to an extent, you know, you really felt as though you were being hunted in that game. Uh, Did you ever play The Evil Within? I did not. I I believe I own it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But I've I've not played it. Come on, you laugh, but you know know what my video game library looks like. 
You collect things and never play them. Yes, I know. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I believe I have the evil within. Um, Dying Light. But again, there's no reveal in a video game. That's that's my big, you know. I guess the True. games that I picked, Outlast and Alien Isolation, there is very limited reveal, right? So True. you are your own worst enemy when it comes to, to that sort of thing. Any traditions for the fine month of October as we head running into oh. fall, the fall season? A few. Uh, my wife and I like to go to some of the local fall festivals, you know, get a pie, you know, check out some of the events and things like that. Yeah, our, Maybe we, grab a funnel cake and get some hot cider. We have a, a local big apple festival that, that was today, but the weather just didn't cooperate. I, I actually feel bad for them, too, because that's that community's big income for the year. And Oh, yeah. And uh, our weather... Thanks to Lay Hurricane, uh, is not good. So, no, I'm trying to. Th- you know, I enjoy making a good spiked apple cider for the oh, adults sure. that are trick or treating because they deserve a treat too. And uh, it's it's me in my garage, sometimes in costume, sometimes not. I'm not one of the people that goes crazy with decorations either, right? <laughs> but okay. I've got my table, I've got candy for the kids, and I've got adult candy for the adults. And, uh, you know, that's like the Halloween Halloween thing. But no, I just really love love the season, always have. So. Me too. I mean, ever since I was a kid trick-or-treating, I've always loved Halloween. Well. We better stop rambling about this because I I can see the inbox stacking up already in my brain. Oh, you guys, you didn't talk about anything. Tabletop, you didn't talk about anything. You didn't make fun of the spark. I did make fun of the sparkle trolls this week. Yeah, you didn't. You didn't talk about your new role playing game. No, 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 no. You know, give us a break. Uh, we do ask for your indulgence because hey, I'm talking about my favorite fucking season of autumn, and and hopefully. You guys enjoy it, too. And if nothing else, maybe we gave you a different way to think about some of those old slasher flicks or, or a way to 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 view the, the season. Because, you know, life does go on outside of the gaming world, and it can't always be at the table. Sometimes it has to be about real life. Uh, we certainly appreciate you tuning in, and if you haven't done it already, make sure you go to the podcast provider of your choice. You're listening to us on a fucking podcast provider, so you know which one to go to and find our podcast, like and subscribe, but most importantly, tell your friends. Uh, the only way that we continue to grow and we are able to to, to really reach more people and, and get some of these great thoughts and conversations started at your table is if you do share it. So like, subscribe, share, throw us the Sparkle Troll and or five-star review. All of the above is appreciated. Well, Bert, you think they'll forgive us for going off book this week? Yeah, I think so. I mean, that's the thing about, you know, just because we're talking about nerdy things sometimes being nostalgic about the season is a nerdy thing yeah i mean hey we're geeking out about freaking autumn come on (laughs) it's great (laughs) uh well next week 
after you've hit that subscribe button, we'll have some more fantastic content just like we did this week. Uh, so we want to make sure that you don't miss that episode. My name is Ryan David. I thank you so much for tuning in and listening. And again, I beg your indulgence this week. Uh, I was joined as always by Bert, and we will talk at you next week. Be safe out there, everybody.